0: Welcome to the Stories Are Soul Food podcast, presented by Cannonball Books, the kids' fiction imprint of Cannon Press. Met a ghost of a king on the road when I first fell. Fire burning to my knees, to my knees, I fell. Met a ghost of a king on the road.
1: Okay, Brian.
0: Here we are. Reminding everybody the March Stories
1: Are Soul Food. That's what we're reminding everybody (laughs) as I stretch out my shoulder. Yeah. Uh yeah, welcome to SASP. Here we are. We're going to talk about stuff. Yep. And,
0: and uh this movie's this month's movie. This look at Moving Picture Club. Don't forget to watch. Slumdog. Slumdog Millionaire. Yep.
1: Slumdog Millionaire. Yep. Is this is this pick for Lamp? Yeah. The the best acronym of all time. Lamp. Lamp. And uh what are what do you want to cover today, Brian?
0: Well, I was hoping we could just talk about Solomon. Oh boy! Um, and I'm springing it on you without a chance to prep or think about it because, well, because this is to. SASP. Because this, this that's, what, is, that's what we do. <laughs> this is SAS. Um, I, I recently saw somebody saying. You know, they, they thought Solomon was probably going to be in heaven, but they thought it was at least a discussion point of not, maybe not, maybe not going to be there. And that made me really upset. So I thought <laughs> it made you laugh, made me upset. That also is our relationship. So <laughs> so I thought we could talk about Solomon and about just, why that is a ridiculous take. But, do we
1: talk about Solomon or we talk about people?
0: I, both is always the answer. I mean, I think people probably, why do they feel the need? To say, yeah, he's probably in heaven, but at least it's up for debate. But why Why is it up for debate? I, I think because they see Solomon, the end of his life, he was worshiping idols or helping the worship idols. But
1: let's go ahead and, and just talk about what a debate is. <laughs> what is a debate? Let's and see. why is it in human authority to debate something like that? Yeah. So you're saying it's just a dumb question. Yeah, the entire thing. It's like not your jurisdiction. Mm. I mean, it's just what on earth? Yeah. It's up for debate. Like, no, it's not actually. It's between Solomon and God. Mm -hmm. Like it's we either his sins are covered by the blood of Christ or they're not. Christ has paid his bill or he has not. Whether or not Christ paid his bill is not up for debate Mm. from us. Like we have no skin in that game. We've got no anything. Uh, I think it's, if we were going to get into that debate, I think it's ludicrous. Okay. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a ludicrous thing to believe or even uh, to, to believe that he's not uh, regenerate. I think that's ridiculous. The burden of proof would be on. As the main unsaved author in the Bible. Yeah. Yeah. The, The burden of proof would be on somebody trying to actually. Right. Prove that. Then you have to say, why? Why though? In the words of my daughter. Just why though? As
0: someone once thought it was pronounced, E though. Why why though? (laughs) Yeah. But I I think the question really comes down to they don't know what to do with Solomon's life. Like, so they're saying. Mean when he sinned? I think so, which is kind of, which I guess when you put it that way, it makes it sound. Ridiculous, which is probably why you put it that
1: way. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like you know me,
0: um, but he's not. You know, he doesn't make an appearance in the um, in the Hebrews eleven Hall of Faith. Obviously, many don't. Uh-oh. But, but, um, oh, yeah, I, I have clearly an axe to grind. I named my fifth child Solly. Yeah, so, so I, you know how I come down on it. But I think they're they're having trouble. Just tell them not
1: to multiply horses. Yeah,
0: wine. Oh, sorry, <laughs> women, weapons, and wealth. The three, the three W's (laughs) that Solomon, I mean, in some sense though, those were gifts of God. God literally said, I'm handing these to you. It wasn't that. So, I don't know. I think Solomon as, as, as a character is an interesting study because he's so successful with everything that he did. And generally the guys, generally the guys like that who get the earthly things so right are often the bad guys in the Bible, you know? So I, I find that that's, I think, perhaps a better question. What do we do with someone who is so successful that silver is pretty much worthless in his kingdom?
1: Yeah, um, it, it's interesting because the, the question and I think the discussion of Solomon's life has more to do more effect on parents and generational analysis. And how do you build lasting legacy and right, you know, and all that kind of thing? Because his more, son was a real dummy yeah but how do you how do you do that more than is he in heaven yeah like i uh, what does that have to do with anything yeah um and why does us debating it touch
0: anything mm-hmm. it
1: like we just don't have access to the control room so we're just yeah you know hot air yeah it's a bunch of hot air
0: and this podcast ladies and gentlemen is not about hot air and
1: i don't know how you can read the proverbs or Ecclesiastes, and and think that this is not a guy who um, has repented,
0: <laughs> right? <laughs> you know, like yeah, I mean, I mean, to be honest, too, he was the editor for his dad's Psalms. like the whole. Right. So you know, he's as as someone who is an yeah. editor. I view Solomon as perhaps, yeah, example uno of mm-hmm. of editors who said, "Hey, I've got all my dad's poems." And we're going to assemble them. Some of them are in different versions in the history books, but we're going to assemble them. We're going to edit them down to their best form. And we're going to put them together in a way we all
1: can use them. And there we go. There we go. But it's so the discussion of generations and how do you, uh, how do you actually hand the torch off successfully one generation to the next? That is a big and interesting question. Yeah. Cause Um, you have David to Solomon with a
0: key. Question of building the temple, yeah, yeah, and then Solomon
1: to Rehoboam. So, and, and honestly, generationally, you have in a very real way you have Jesse slash Saul to David. Mm. You know, you've got this right, weird, right, right. this weird handoff there, and then you have David to Solomon. You've got all the mess of David's parenting in general. Um, post his sin of with Bathsheba, he's just absolutely neutered in terms of his authority. Yep. And so he loses all his authority and his ability to really parent as a patriarch. Yeah.
0: And has capital crimes. His Two of his sons commit capital crimes, yeah. which is so a high got, percentage.
1: Yeah. So you have a, a pretty terrible thing going down. Then you have Solomon who like gains control of the, of the mayhem and then builds like builds actually out of the peace and out of the power that David's built. He builds this amazing kingdom and then you have you know after solomon it just skids
0: mm-hmm.
1: and that's kind of you know what in in business they say shirt sleeves to shirt sleeves in three generation so mm-hmm. you have you know the guy who guts it out and builds mm-hmm. from nothing of uh, the one who's the self-made man then you have the caretaker the guy that he parents that he you know, potentially hands the torch to and trains to oversee it. But then you have that guy raises a kid who loses everything and is back down to nothing. Right. And so
0: that's that's the business arc they talk yeah, about. Yeah. It's I like that's just okay.
1: So and you you look at David and David's line and it's it is similar. Yeah. You know, the the zenith is the the one who had the head start courtesy of you know his just dad. the yep. absolute toughness of his father. And it usually also mirrors that, where there's a guy who's really just mm-hmm. willing to suffer. I mean, right. just absolutely willing to suffer to build, and then you get to not do that. You know, you're you did you're, not
0: suffer. Yeah, you didn't suffer yeah. for
1: it in the same way. Um, I think that's interesting, and how to and how to solve for that is really difficult.
0: Yeah, that. Uh, that seems to be, I, I feel that as someone whose parents moved to Moscow, I know you do as, yeah. <laughs> as yeah, your but you're, dad's, three, you're the
1: third generation, right? So,
0: so what is my job in this generational lineage? And I think you've, you've talked before, maybe this is just private conversations, but about caretaking and yeah. like how caretaking is sometimes such a It's such a low energy approach. You're not actually carrying a torch. Yeah. A caretaker can be tempted to just like try to just protect all the chips in the poker game as opposed to continuing to play the game.
1: Yeah. It's actually one of the ways that I was just talking to my dad about this the other night and about conservatives and and how conservatives are ridiculous. And the the worst things about conservatives. And so if you take it's in the name, like we're trying to conserve things, Mm -hmm. we want to conserve it. Yeah. And so it's more important to conserve the institution than than for the institution to do its job. Mm. You know, like that's the way conservatives actually, you know, that's how they operate. Okay,
0: wait, that's key. It's they operate as if oh yeah, it's more important for the institution to continue than for yeah. it to do its job. To conserve.
1: Like because we something conserve. could still
0: do its job and fail. Or or do its job and be consumed, I guess.
1: Yes it could it could be it could be burned up and destroyed you see that all the time with people sacrifice we talk yeah. about it and it could okay. be this institution could be burned up and destroyed in the line of duty like pursuing its its purpose faithfully but conservatives have switched away from the goal the actual goal on the battlefield into con- the conservation of in its institution that they love mm. and Conservatives get drawn into that. We like, you know, we like brick. We like classic yeah. architecture. Yeah, we like ivy on the walls and respectability. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like those things. Progressives, they're ready to burn it down, and we can't stand that they're ready to burn it down. Hmm. Uh, so we will always lose because they always have the optimism that it'll be better. <laughs> they, <laughs> they like their approaches, is- but in in a battle, they're the ones like coming in a game of chicken where they're willing to suffer all the consequences Mm. of this conflict and conservatives flinch. They're not willing to jeopardize the institution. Mm. And that's, you know, and they, and they, they set themselves up as contra those who are drunk driving willy nilly, like you're going to, you're trying to tear America down. You're trying to, You know, you're, you're trying to destroy the institutions and they're not wrong. They are trying to tear it down and we should stop them from tearing it down, but not because the not tearing it down is the ultimate struggle to to tear it down or not tear it down. It's to lay it down. Like don't tear it down, lay it down. Mm. Like push your chips in and go, you know, like that's, uh, that really, that really is the only way. And, and so if you, if you. Look at your situation. Your parents, your, your grandparents were faithful, a faithful Christian couple. Yeah. Fred Cole was famous for having a very Calvinistic chipperness about how he was doing and and <laughs> better and, than I deserve. Was yeah, my everybody everybody loved
0: him. And then you think it'd be annoying, but it wasn't.
1: No. And then yeah. your and then your parents labored long in Christian education and, mm. and still are. And then here you are, third generation. Yeah. yeah. Uh in my situation, my grandfather. It's like, moves here. Uh, he recently passed, but he moves here, like converting equity in his house into Christian books and shows up to not preserve anything. <laughs> you know, it's like, there's, yeah, no, yeah. there's no preservation of anything. He just showed up with bullets, these Christian books, and started trying to evangelize. Starts a Christian bookstore, gets it going. My dad just told me that he actually had buried a trash can under his house early on. With a, a lid just lightly covered, like you had a trash lid in the crawl space, uh, where he could store Bibles when they were made illegal. It was the <laughs> it was like the one way that he was a prepper just in case. Is he just not like,
0: financial? Yeah, it's, no, he didn't prepare
1: in any other way. He but he had a trash can buried under the house, if and when Bibles became uh, taboo. Mm, yeah, well, I don't know well, how yeah. many years ago he did that <laughs> just in case he wasn't even thinking it, it was, was going to happen. He just knew like, okay, I need somewhere where I can, I can stick Bibles if, if I have to, um, but no gold, no bullets, nothing else. Nothing was, in the mattress, but Bibles. I no, like. <laughs> that, that was it. Um, that that was my grandfather. Then obviously my dad built on that. And then I, uh, my first date with my wife told her, you know, like what my goal was, you know, in terms of, I didn't want to go somewhere and do the same work that my grandfather had or my my dad had, I wanted to have the, I wanted to build on what they'd done. I wanted Uh to be able to like stretch out and, and fight offensively like going out into the culture and uh, you know, trying to export stuff into the culture as opposed to pulling tree trunks and, and homesteading and starting a, a school for my kids like my dad did and starting an educational movement like my dad did. Like, okay, I'll operate inside of that. Like, that's taken care of. I don't need to reinvent the wheel. I can now build on that. I can mm-hmm. try to get film and publishing and, and, you know, try to get that stuff going. As far as my kids go, I think a really important piece of it is telling the story. And this is yeah. this is our podcast, so it always comes back to this. Realizing that you're, you're a section, you're a chapter, and if you get a wider look, like, if you're, if you're going through Lord of the Rings and there's, you know, five books, they get, got published in three volumes, but five books. And you got book one for me. That's, you know, there's grandpa Jim. Mm-hmm. Like here's the, the time of grandpa Jim. And then here's my dad, you know, basically when he, he moved back here out of the Navy, early seventies, you know, he, here's all his labor. And then here's my labor, like, boom, here's my story. So not only we've talked about this a lot in terms of, Actually, no, I was just on the, I was just talking to Kirk Cameron about this on his show. The importance of everybody viewing themselves as, as a creator all the time. Like, it's not, oh, I'm an author mm. and other people aren't. You're consumers. Mm. We're all creators. Yeah. We're all writing dialogue. We're all writing scenes. You're all writing childhoods for your kids. You are all crafting stories. Right. You're crafting stories with your own lives, with your own ambitions, and with your actions in all your relationships. So we're all creators. God's made us all sub-creators. And seeing our section, like our section like okay, the baton got handed to us and we are doing what? We should be laying down well-lived, well-told lives. Yeah. We should be looking to to live great stories and incidentally, great stories are not told about the caretakers mm-hmm. who just kept it clean. Yeah. You know, who just tended, who who just tended something that somebody else did, never added to it, never built on it, never risked it, never took the, you know, never took the race car down to the track. You know, like it's it's uh it would be really, really weird if I had inherited a NASCAR and my my grandfather and my father were competitors, and then I decide that for my generation, it's important that it's just a museum now. It never goes anywhere, it never drives this this yeah. faith never lives and never attacks and never it never mm. moves mm. and i could easily be saying like but i could lose what my grandfather built i'm like yeah absolutely yeah and i i have to live in a way that's free of that burden emotionally because so many people freeze up and they don't want to jeopardize it because there's this generational emotional freight now so logos school I went K through 12. Yeah. I have, I have now three kids who've gone K through 12 and graduated. Uh, It'd be really easy for them to come back through and not be aggressive with the school as an institution, because it's so important nostalgically that it continue to exist. Oh, This is, you know.
0: You're saying, no, the important part of the school's mission is to raise men and women. Yeah. Uh, who exemplify the lordship of jesus christ
1: yeah the important part of any institution any person is whether or not you are living right now in the present in a story well told and well lived not are you just trying to keep anything from happening yeah are you trying to minimize you know
0: and i and i think you touched on it there but i was going to ask what what is the character motivation for for basically the Solomon to Rehoboam failure. I or, I guess the caretaker failure is the one we're talking about. Cause Rehoboam feels like he was willing to willing to risk it. He just got it way wrong.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I think impulse control was a real issue in that family. <laughs> <laughs> just to put it. If yeah. you Red read Kings lately. Yeah. And so you go back, you look at David, you look at Solomon, you look at on, you know, you look on down and it's, impulse control the inability to control themselves it's like the story of johnny cash it's like
0: mm.
1: you know uh my wife and i were watching um george and tammy you know and uh T- tammy Wynette and george brown okay um and he's george brown and you know they were the power couple of country music but just his inability to shake addiction or to prevent himself from oh, okay. self-destructing and that story is age old it yeah. is okay. age old so when guys are aggressive and they go and they attack then they got it. they have to have massive amounts of discipline and self-control or they're going to attack the wrong thing they're going to go do the wrong, the wrong thing. thing yeah you know, they're going to pursue their passions. And so, especially in David's life, if you think about how weird it was that, like, he wanted Bathsheba and he was not supposed to have Bathsheba. <laughs> it's like, this is, this is it. And he wasn't supposed to kill Uriah, but he was supposed to kill thousands and thousands and thousands of men. Mm-hmm. And he was not monogamous he was not in monogamy he was a king with a harem so he was he had not disciplined himself and shut himself off from all other women after michael god gives him abigail like he's blessed you know god blesses him with with other wives and then also blesses him with the messianic line through bathsheba so in in that actual in the life he was living this was a guy who was allowed to look at a woman and say I want her. I'm mm. still available. He he hadn't like ever learned that discipline of unavailability one woman man. Yeah. Like nope. Uh-uh. Done. Just faithful to one woman. Like so he has this open door of like yeah, I know I could I could add a woman to this harem and he kills thousands and thousands of men. So the killing of a man is no big deal. The taking of a woman is no big deal. The huge issue is that he is the, you know, the treachery of killing Uriah. Yeah. Like the betrayal of a, of a brother like that and of, you know, of taking his, his one lamb as as Nathan describes it. So it's way out of line, but this is a guy living in an age and a time when, uh, it looked a lot more like sons of anarchy. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, It was the whole like civil structure and everything else. I was like, this is a motorcycle gang. This is, this is kind of a wild, a wild time and wild place. And so if you have that level of aggression and testosterone and everything else, then the, the self-discipline and the control is absolutely paramount. And to mess up a little, you're right on the cliff's edge and it's going to be murder. You know, like a little mess up and you are you know, it's, it's huge. So there, you look at David, you go down to Solomon, also impulse control, and the impulse control issues just continue on. Uh, they continue with Solomon's brothers. They continue, you know, obviously and tragically, um, and then on through the line, yeah, so for us though, what we what we have is a completely different thing. And I actually in a number of different times, and I mean us today, yeah, Moscow yeah my, modern Christians, modern christians you know contemporary christians uh with having the new testament with having the example of the apostles and christ and, and everything else uh, the the gospel really plainly taught uh, the increase in inheritance and light is massive now if you look at uh, our little location here in moscow is it's Kind of funny to me that over the last, you know, 10 years or so, uh, maybe 20 years, I've had a couple of different times when guys show up in Moscow and they are all about it and they're real fanboys of my dad. And my dad's had this about his dad. People show up and then they tell my dad or they tell me that I'm not a true son. They, they say things like, I would be a better son to Doug Wilson, or, you know, I would do this better than you're doing it. Or they say that to my dad, I would be a better son to Jim Wilson. I'm the true heir of Jim Wilson. I know you're his actual son, but I would do a better job. And what they mean is caretaking. Mm. What they mean is, don't you realize that you're, you know, you're sailing this ship that he built like into danger, into risk. Don't you realize as you look at all the different things that, that they've had, you know, that your, your ancestors have had a hand in building, you're not, you're not feeling deeply enough the importance of the preservation of every single one of them, Mm. you know, and, and serving in, in all of them. And there's a weird, there's a weird thing there where, a true heir, a true son who really is inheriting it and is really receiving, uh, receiving this from their, from their parents should have the freedom to jeopardize it to. Yeah. That's you know, hard. Like, that's yeah, hard. They, that's hard to teach. It's there. It's theirs to bet. It's theirs to wager. It's theirs to actually um, adjust. And that seems insane. Yeah. Um, so it's, In parents, and I think for us, raising up the next generation and trying to hand off the baton, freedom of operation, like actually handing the keys is huge. Like really handing the keys, but doing so while having told the stories really effectively of Mm. what's gone before and why things were done the way they were done. Yeah. And now it's your turn to build and honor God and like, and, and and take this further down the road to get a bigger return on all of this than I did. You know, I, I want my sons to go further and build more than I did. I don't want them to just tend my copyrights. Yeah. I, I don't want them to be curating my, you know, my backlist mm-hmm. and never building something new. They're just, right. they're just the the caretakers of what their dad did. Um, And that's what my dad's wanted for me. He's wanted me writing my own books, not just constantly combing through his. Yeah. And of course, different giftings
0: play into that. 100%. Because cause you're not saying that the next generation has got to be, you know, for my son has got to be whatever the next best editor is. You know, it's like what, that's not how we look at this. It's not, the world is not so one-dimensional. Yeah. That
1: you can only find one. No, this one, is your job one And think about how allow. easy it is for all of us. If if uh, I started a pizza place, how easy would it be for me to guilt all my kids into thinking they had to work in the pizza place? Yeah, they they had to. I think that's every Disney movie. To be honest, the dad,
0: you know, they're yeah, and that's and that's kind of like a weird. They've identified something that does happen. Yep, and then have majored on it in such a way. That's obnoxious. That's that's the just, kid,
1: the kid the problem there yeah. is what they what they do in their story, that rebellion of the kid against the Right.
0: dad know. just doesn't understand. He doesn't, he doesn't understand.
1: The I just want to dance. Yeah, exactly. I was I was about to say that. <laughs> I just want to dance. Um, what they do there though is they're looking to they're they they're looking to escape and rebuild something that's just theirs. Yeah. That they only built. Well, that's what I was going to say is, is that you've shown us what happens when you zoom in too close on your own chapter as yeah. a conservative, which is can, what's happening in the Disney stories, right? For progressive on the progressive side, yeah, you exactly. zoom
0: in right there. And all of a sudden, and, and you get this with, uh, the feminist trope of the mom. Uh, well, we talked about with Fablemans with Mitzi, right? Yeah. Mitzi can't see the bigger version mm-hmm. of her story. She can only see how sad she is. That she actually is. Married she can't to, see past her own feelings. She's married to the wrong guy and never yeah. got to be a concert pianist. Yep. You know she can't see past her own feelings at all. That's funny. That is the exact same error. Just microscoping in on your yep. own
1: life, on your own little slice, slice. And so, I think the important thing is for anybody listening is to identify where in the story you are, and who who in the story you are, and who in the story you want to be, not for your own, not for your own glory but for the good of the of the narrative yeah. how do you actually fit in here yeah so when my grandfather passed we did an episode about him and i talked about a lot of people are in the grandpa jim phase yeah they're, they're grandpa jim Your generation one yeah if you haven't heard the episode you got to go find it so you are You a lot of people are there where it's like you be faithful you lay down this you know you clear the, the stumps and you actually start to do that pioneer work mm-hmm. then you have you might be the second generation your parents might be faithful believers what are you going to build on that how are you yeah. going to how are you going to take that faith that you were given and build how are you going to grow from there um and if you're a third generation how are you going to grow from there how do you fit in uh nobody should be the one who squanders it yeah but also nobody should be the one who uh really just gets individualistic about it like you just pull in on yourself And what are your feels like? Well, I want to be a caretaker of this, that, the other thing, or I need to build my own, you know, my own deal. I come from a long line of, you know, clockmakers, whatever, generations of people who are really, really gifted at this and built an empire of, uh, of watches that are extremely valuable. And I really thought I wanted to have a burger place. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, and that's the, that's kind of the Disney story like yeah. you just I have to march to my own drummer. It's like, okay, how do sure? Maybe you're really good at burgers. How do you actually build that as an extension of this narrative? Just realize you're still connected. The narrative is still connected. It's one story. You know, it's right. it's one through story all the way through. And we actually so think about like an aristocratic family. Uh you know, think World War 1, World War 2. You are the son who inherited this massive estate from aristocrats. And England's existence is at stake in World War II. Like the very existence of this nation is at stake. And then you are refusing to have your, you know, your big estate become an officer's hospital or something because it's going to ruin the floors, you know, or it's going to ruin the gardens. You right. won't, you won't let them tear up the 200 year old gardens to, to pitch tents, you know, and it's, I understand, like you could, yeah, that I, does, that would hurt. <laughs> I understand. But the, yeah. the point is like, see yourself in the story and where this thing came from and what it's for, mm-hmm. you know, and that's, uh, and if it's going to end, end nobly, Yeah. if this institution, if it's time for it to go away or to stop being what it is currently. How do you end faithfully, gloriously, honoring God, and you know?
0: Yeah, that question of the garden. If you preserved your lands with at that cost,
1: it's almost not worth it because you traded yeah. oh, I mean, the Jesus roses. The two hundred year old roses can't die. These men need to instead. Right. Yeah, you've, you know, you've won the world but lost your soul. I think someone yeah. talked about that, and there's all sorts of variations on that. Uh, and the, and come over here, stateside. We have a ton of that. There is a ton of just very, very different, very, very different things, and we have people who are very I mean, higher ed feels full of it. People are very higher ed loyal. Yeah, um, they're loyal to their 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 alma mater. They're loyal to their parents' alma mater. Right. They're like Harvard must exist. It doesn't yeah. matter that absolutely. We're going Texas A and M. Doesn't even have to be fancy. It's just like Roll Tide, Alabama, A and M, whatever. Yeah. Hook them horns. Yeah. It doesn't matter. People <laughs> actually really weirdly become tribal around these different things. And those things can betray them.
0: And they're being rotted out right now. and Yeah. And you occasionally see fighting back. But I think for a lot, it's easier just to glom onto the institution.
1: Yeah. Because we know we can keep buying the gear for our kids. Yep. And the institution is going to continue to exist, even if it's a carcass, which enables my emotional attachment to it to continue to exist.
0: Mm.
1: You know, it's a really, it's a really weird thing.
0: So what do you, I guess it seems hard, especially for someone who's a builder or, you know, Solomon, who's an, a massive administrator who managed to manage the entire yeah. thing and, mo, you know, mobilize an entire nation in a way that had, was not possible before. Right. And control them. It seems hard for him. Maybe it was hard to let go and let Rehoboam see his spot. I mean, I'm just, I, obviously we aren't told necessarily in the narrative. But it does seem like Rehoboam's misreading of that key pivotal moment, and so- Solomon's uh, mistreatment of Jehu, or perhaps mm-hmm. misreading of the Jehu story; those those two things played. I'm, I'm I'm curious if you have thoughts on that. Was there was you know reading into it is a very competent person more likely not to let their children try something, or is is how does that
1: story work? I, I can't even tell you how often and tragically I've seen dads competitive with their yeah. sons. Mm. And I've seen some of the strongest dads of some of the weakest boys and who are just intimidated and fearful. You know, like And of course, a weak dad ends up with sons who resent him in a different way. But I've seen sons who have a huge amount of respect for their dads who just look like a beaten dog or they've given up and they've given up by the age of 15. Cause they know they can never compete.
0: Mm.
1: Like they know they can never measure up to that. So they're just they're They're in that Disney story. They've been catechized for that, where they're just going to do something totally else. Gotcha. You know, and I think that that's even for a good dad, you know, somebody who's uh, a a great father, if that person has really achieved something like really straight up achieved something uh incredible it'd be pretty difficult for that kid yeah you know to come along and find value in their you know in their chapter
0: yeah i've talked with friends you know their dad built enormous business or whatever yeah and then they're trying to start their own but it will never happen yeah just because their business idea is never quite I mean, they're it's not, not as good at it. And they're not good at it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, then, and then they're yeah. often driven by idealism too, rather than the constraints of the business. And you get a really idealistic idea against a very good businessman. And oftentimes those two things, that's like oil and water. Cause they're saying, yep. well, you can't make money doing that. And the kid's like, I don't want to make money. I just want to do that. You know, the, and, yep. and that's interesting to watch that dynamic too. Interesting when, in, when, in a bad way. I, yeah, sure. Speaking narratively. Yeah. <laughs> I think, you know, you, if you talk to the dad, He'd say, I, "I all I would want is for my son to start a business and be on board with a business with me." But yeah. and narratively, that doesn't work out. Like I mean, it that.
1: turns out a lot of times, dad can be uh, you trying to be supportive, but it's actually just like patting him on the head, of like you're adorable. You know, uh, sure. You yeah. know, in terms of you really you don't know what you're doing, um, and it's yeah. the right relationship. Uh, the right relationship is one of mentorship and empowerment and
0: like and that takes go wisdom. fail
1: and don't worry about it. And like, let's like, just yeah go. Dads also tend to tell their glory stories. They love to do that. Ex-athletes, ex-businessmen, they do the glory story. They don't tell a lot of the, like I was such a moron stories. Oh yeah. And Those so, are so
0: good for your kids
1: too. Yeah, they are. They're so and, good. And sons tend to hear a lot of the glory stories and they don't get the right ratio of failure to success because they you know yeah the the story is being carefully curated (laughs) (laughs) and there's there's yeah it's it's sad that way and so you want you want to have strong fathers who are around but you want to have strong fathers who are around who believe themselves to be in a subordinate position to the next characters up Mm. you know it's good where it's like this is yeah i'm going i'm building i'm trying to fight i'm battling and i am a secondary character in your story i am not the protagonist that is of my kid's story yeah i'm not the protagonist of your story like or I our am, family yeah yeah or even of the of this story of our family at all like i am one guy like i'm one guy in the story and i'm trying to raise you in a way that will enable you to take over yeah um uh, and I see myself and I want you to see me as secondary. And then I want you to see yourself as secondary for those who are coming behind you. Yeah. You know?
0: Watching your dad try to set us all the town, speaking Moscow, trying to set Moscow up to build a church yeah. at some point yep, has been, and, and of course the elders as well. Mm-hmm. But, but watching that has been very interesting and instructive because yeah. I can tell there's almost, there's almost a, not a fear. There's a wariness, a wisdom of being, yeah. Hey, soon as we put the building up,
1: we like the soul leaves if you don't hold on to it right yeah it's very very easy for a church building to be a, a retirement home where the the church retires into its into its sanctuary and then instead no longer a, instead of a death star it starts mowing it needs the, to be a death yeah, star <laughs> it starts mowing the grass you know it's like it starts care, being yeah. a caretaker of a little spot yeah. instead of you know going into the world still yeah and that's uh, that's difficult I think that's why the most phenomenal church churches ever built it was a blessing that it took centuries yeah you know because it actually like they paralleled Cologne and Westminster yeah so it's like it, they paralleled. The, we're building the church and that's an image of what we're doing in the culture instead gotcha. of like boom we threw one up and it's a great one king gets the glory one yeah you know and said it's a town yeah. for yeah and it goes decades. and goes and goes yeah and goes. that's that's good and so it's kind of interesting, and I, th- I think that that's the danger of anything. You know, it's uh, it yeah, it's it's weird, it's tough, and you want to keep things that came from before. You want to keep the family farm. You want to keep the family house. You want to you want to do that, but you want to you want to build. Yeah, you don't burn they, things down just for the sake. You're not a progressive of burning them down. You don't burn them down for the purpose of your own little micro narrative, right? But you also don't live enslaved to them entrapped by them, incapable of taking action that would ever, you know, ever jeopardize them. Um, And you have to be willing to take those, you know, to take risks in your own narrative. But dads who are really strong struggle, 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 struggle to see themselves as secondary support characters. And that's what they are. So they have to have led an aggressive life. They have to have done so with their steering wheel in their hands there's areas of their lives where they still have the steering wheel in their hands and they have to be ready to have their sons drive their children drive uh and hand it to them without freaking out yeah well I'm curious you know I wonder what Rehoboam thought his
0: kingship was going to be like right because he had yeah. everything set up he did and I think that
1: was that's the problem that right? was the problem because like, he was, he was probably do? like
0: he was probably like hmm I wonder if I can take on you know maybe it's time to knock out the Syrians I don't know
1: yeah, well you know. what was he for?
0: And then you know? the challenge that he was for, trying to keep them unified. Yeah. It's always the people problems. It wasn't the Syrians, it was the Israelites. Yeah. It was is Israel. <laughs> and uh he missed it. He just botched it big time.
1: Yep. And it's also, I think, partly because it's easier to look at a very simple scoreboard, like horses, conquest, yeah, you know, gold. Yeah. Rather than spiritual unity faithfulness yeah Yeah. faithfulness unity and 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 those kinds of things right so Mm. you know it's uh it'd be really easy to once you get stuff it's really easy to be imprisoned by stuff if you're faithful and god blesses you you get stuff and then you're a you know you're a prisoner and so at different points it's been easier for the middle class to rise up and do the right thing, you know, make the ultimate sacrifice that it is for the upper class. Right. Because the upper class sees themselves as having so much more to lose. Yeah. You know, so much more to to jeopardize. Well, I think that's why
0: we all should see ourselves in the Solomon shoes much more than the David shoes. Yeah. You know, we've been handed so much. Yep. And I I think a lot of us see us, we're looking for the Goliath in our life. Like, and we're not that level. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's much more. Yeah. It's much more of, of that. What do you do when you've been
1: handed all this stuff? Much less, I need to go clear out a bunch of Philistines. I think we're even further down than that because we've been handed incredible wealth in every way, incredible wealth and technology. But it's really, if you want to talk David and Goliath in the American story, it goes back to the founders and those guys who they owned land. Like they were highly educated, they owned land and they pushed in all their chips like they pushed them all in against yep. England and a lot of them died and lost everything. Yep. You know it's like and they and then because they did that and they won downstream from that like we've just had this cascading wealth with yeah. very few blips and hiccups on the way all courtesy of unfaithfulness. You know it's like the dust bowl happened, you know, the depression happened, but how FDR and Wilson and all these other progressives did things a lot of it was self-inflicted. Then now here we are. What are we doing? What the rot that we're facing is entirely self-inflicted.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, the rot in the church. And God said, sends things like COVID to let you know exactly how healthy <laughs> your, your local congregation is, your denomination is, uh, your leaders are. Yeah. You know how quickly they fold and comply, and yeah. How and how, kiss how the brave ring. are
0: you when you're told you can't do this thing? That was a great check for everybody. We've talked about that before, but it's very fun to get that kind of reality check of, oh, I'm not as brave as I thought I was. This was harder <laughs> for me than I thought it would be. It's like, whoo.
1: <laughs> yeah, like that was a little difficult. I didn't, I hadn't pre-buried a trash can under the house. To, yeah, exactly. To hide my Bibles. Well, I, was, I just
0: heard a I think my son told me a fun story about Nathan Hale that he had like a giant hairy uh, uh mole on his neck. And so from a young age, they'd always told him he was gonna die by hanging, you know. And uh and it just that, meta, he had, you know, and he, of course, did die by hanging. Yeah. But he, before that, he'd taken, he was like, sure, I'll be a spy. I know yeah. what happens if, yeah. I've been told I'm, since I'm I was. Take, I'm going to take the risk. I've been told since I was eight that I'll end up dead by hanging. So, let's give this a whirl, you know. Yep. And uh, <laughs> that attitude is is inspirational. Yes, it is. For sure. Also, the, I, the ability to look at
1: moles and know what your life presages <laughs> is <as well. laughs> That, I don't think I'm quite there. Um, it is really interesting, I think, though, for people, every single person, whether they're single, whether they're married, whether they're grandparents, parents, children, uh, to actually try to pull the lens back and see the whole thing. Yeah. You know, and see, are you are you the one, like, what? You're the one who, what? You're the one, you have courage? Are you courageous? how are you building on what's come before or how are you correcting what's come before how are you riding the ship and turning the the lineage in in the right direction yeah are you the one who's pulling stakes from you know Wisconsin after five generations are you the one who's you have to walk from the chains of what has come before that's kept you in a really bad place you know it's like there's there's plenty of people yeah. where their ancestors planted them somewhere that is now dangerous and unhealthy and bad but all the emotions keep you there and i think about you know my great grandparents in a covered wagon you know rolling into nebraska you know and it's my great great grandparents meeting at a well in the dakotas you know it's and just heading west and just having to be the ones crazy enough saying back east was a bad situation and it'll be way better out here (laughs) and we're going to go we're going out here not for ourselves yeah but because we believe that if we make this move now two generations from now our, our our descendants will be so much better off yeah and it's it was not i mean i had i had one ancestor who you know bailed on us and uh in the in the california gold rush ditched his his wife back east and Settled down in California, married a new chick, and there's a whole branch of Wilsons down there. <laughs> you know, it's like, there are those guys who are living, they, they, were, um, they were doing the eat, pray, love approach. <laughs> it's like, yeah, they're, They were chasing their bliss um, in, in unhealthy and unhelpful ways. But there's also those people who are just exiting and going and not for themselves, but for their kids, for their grandkids, yeah. and just heading yep and and that is actually i think what a lot more people are called to than currently think so mm.
0: my uh that's good i i we shoot way small right because you see a problem yeah. you want to fix it with your own yeah your own life and then you end up just pushing the chips like a millimeter to the side yeah you know you know like you're like oh i don't want mine there i want them here and it's a good thing but it wasn't ambitious enough
1: <laughs> there was, yeah so there was a, a guy talking to me about a chunk of dirt and he was thinking about buying beautiful piece of dirt and he you know it's 50 acres or so and he thought that uh i, I think it, he thought it was overpriced by like 15 grand and he and the seller were were fighting about it and i told him like and he didn't have uh, you know older kids i told him it's like you know i bet you when you have a daughter And when she's getting married and when she's having a reception on that land, I'll bet you she'll turn to the groom and say, you know, it's really embarrassing. My dad, like, easily overpaid 15K for this, you know, 20 years ago. Super embarrassing. Yeah. (laughs) It's just like, come on, man. Um, My grandfather, man, he got hosed. Yeah. He got hosed on this. He overpaid 15 grand for this. Uh, This thing we now own free and clear in our family. Uh, yeah, You know, it's like, and, it's, and
0: man, it takes time. It's not, get, it's
1: not easy years being the pioneer. <laughs> no, no. But we also, we get really hung up on these tiny little windows of assessment. And we have to try to see the present from the future as much as possible all the time. And I try to see present decisions from the future of next week. You know, it's like, just mm. what will I wish that I had done right now? What will I easily look back and wish? Because you you can be stuck in a moment where you're clouded and you lack objectivity, you can't quite see the story that you're in right. because of, you know, how, a nostalgically charged or emotionally charged something is, or right. desires affecting you. But if you try to jump out of the moment and imagine yourself looking back, like, what will you wish that you'd done? Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's shocking how like, man, I should, I just have to let go. I just have to, I just have to let go and stop fighting for this thing. Like mm. I need, I can't, I'm losing all these other things because I'm just obsessing over this one thing mm. I'm trying to accomplish. Um, and other times like, wow, I really, I was walking away from that too easily. I need, I need that. But even, even more than one week out, trying to see your present story from a week in the future, try to see your present moment from your grandkids. It's called the Bathsheba test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So well, like, only David could have done that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Can you jump? Think like, man, you're a granddad now, um, and as and I still wonder what I should be called as a grandfather. I'm going. I'm. I'm. Occasionally, I'm drawn to crawdad.
0: Crawdad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> but we'll
0: find an acronym
1: for you at some point. Uh, I, I there are some friends who's, um, I think boss would also be fun. <laughs> 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 boss. Uh, my brother-in-law said he wants to be Hefe, which is is great. But um I know I had some friends whose grandfather went by Duke, which was also pretty Duke. great. Just, <laughs> so so we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what I'll come up with. But anyway, the point is, what will my grandkids wish that their, you know, granddad had done, their crawdad had done? Right now, like as I'm looking at things, as I'm prioritizing things, as I'm prioritizing what I do with the next 10 years, the next 20 years, however, however long beyond that I'm here, like as I prioritize what I'm trying to do and what I'm trying to build, yeah, thinking in terms of building it for someone else, not for me. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I build this for others, not for me? And what will they wish I had done? Yeah, you know, what will they wish? you know, for my actions. And will they wish that I'd mortgaged everything to the hilt and leveraged it in some big flyer somewhere? You're like, no, of course not. Uh, It's like, will they wish that I just walked away and sold everything and gave cash to my kids as an inheritance? Like, no, that's stupid. Mm. You know, it's like, that's, Mm. you know, try to see it. Try to see it. And if you have trouble, if you have trouble seeing it, ask yourself what you wish your grandparents had done right, like what would what would be the thing, yeah, I mean, that's another Solomon lesson
0: is asking for wisdom, yeah, get you get it,
1: I think right. that's the one thing we can really say about Solomon that he did very right, yeah, is that he asked for wisdom, and one of the most depressing things about his story, yeah, is the fact that he had that much wisdom, and still <laughs> <laughs> still yeah oh, that really hard. And, and still, with as much wisdom as we could possibly hope for like as anyone on earth could ever hope for he still did not with that wisdom wisdom does not get you faithfulness yeah Wis- wisdom does not get you impulse control in the same way it just means that you have your eyes wide open about <laughs> what a moronic thing that just was yeah because he was able to write the book yeah after <laughs> yeah, after the, the mistake yeah so yeah but anyway so what do you want anybody listening i don't care if you're 13 years old what will your grandkids wish that you had done and some of that means be a really spicy fun character that they will uh, love to hear stories about yeah you know somebody they can be proud of that's great not so- rainbow <laughs> <laughs> uh, i like it Alrighty. this has been sasf pay attention to future lamp when is the lamp episode
0: uh let's see Oh, yeah. Send the questions in as you're watching, because we are two weeks out from doing it,
1: I think. Oh, I know. You? I actually, I threw out a comment. 27th. Okay. I threw out a comment about Spirited Away in, a, in our uh, Oh, yeah. That got, podcast. Some, that got some kickback. Um, which is funny. And I feel like we should talk about that next time. I, said, I think so. Instead of this time. That We already talked a lot this okay. time, so we're done. Yeah. but Spirited um, Away next week. We'll do a little Spirited Away chat, a little animated film chat. And yeah... Yes, I did say that in part because I knew I was throwing a brick in a pond. Yeah. A lot of people said, I just didn't. I'm just like, that's because you're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You're wrong. And also, you don't have to like it. I'm not saying you have to like it. You just have to see the beauty. You just. Beauty, see the goodness. Yeah. (laughs) And all the truth. Yeah. Peace. Peace.
0: I hope you enjoyed this latest episode of Stories or Soul Food, and I have something special for you because I'm excited about it, so you get to hear about it. It is this brand new book uh, by Canon Press about stories. It's called 32, yes, the number. 32 Christians Who Changed Their World by Dr. Glenn Sunshine. And it's stories of everyday Christians all around the world throughout history, the people you haven't heard of, true multiculturalism, and the way, uh, short stories of how their lives um, changed history and their own culture. It's inspirational. I mean, the Christian faith is a call to adventure. And of course, on our podcast, we love to talk about how stories affect that. And some of my favorite ways of doing that is talking about famous characters in history and not famous characters in history. Oh, and one more part. Uh, I get very excited about this stuff as a publisher. Look how cool the shiny black foil is on the nice yellow binding it's just fun to have a nice hardback book anyways this is available now is just releasing brand new 32 by glen sunshine